Thanks so much for joining us on Sunday, January 24th. We got our guest again, Nick Cottis. Nick, hey, everybody. How's it going? Thanks for coming back. Uh, you're very welcome. Glad to be back. Oh, we're happy to have you. So Nick's going to be joining us today. We're, we're going to be talking about Match Day 19, some crazy matches, some exciting matches, a lot of drama going on in Serie A. Uh, we're going to break down some crazy games that are coming up the midweek, preview them for Coppa Italia, some crucial quarterfinal matchups, including the big Milan derby in the quarterfinals, which is we're all excited about. Uh, we're going to talk about some transfers as well. And then uh, we're also going to bring it back home uh, in the final part. And we're going to talk about the Canadian Championship and the Canadian Premier League and Major League Soccer. So, guys, are you guys ready to roll? We're ready, yeah. guys. Let's get right into it. All right. So let's jump right in. Benevento Torino playing out to a draw at the very last minute. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, you know, I just think Torino's squandering their chances. I mean... Once again, they're high in possession. They got the most chances created, the most shots. I mean, shots on target, shots off target. I mean, I think they're very lucky to get this draw. I think uh, I think uh, they're not lethal enough as for their what they have. To be honest, I think uh, they're very lucky to come out with this result. Uh, I think uh, the way they're playing, they're playing to win. They just can't get anything done. And this is why I think it's going to bite them in the butt to come towards the end of the marathon. Yeah, I mean, uh, what did you think, Jules? I wasn't too. I wasn't too impressed with uh, Davide Nicola's team, the way they played. I know it was just three days yeah. before he got hired, and he only had three days to work with them. But uh, the only thing I'll take out of it that was good, I like seeing Simone Zaza and Balotti up front together. Zaza getting two goals. Yeah, another another good performance by single, uh, which he's been doing on a regular basis, and. Uh, for Benevento, I said this is the first time I heard about this guy. I know he's a bit of a legend, Nicolas Viola. Performance he had, technical build ability on on uh, on spot. This guy is really talented. He really impressed me with his passing range. He ended up getting a, a penalty goal after Sidigu. Another terrible performance by Sidigu. Yeah, he's having an awful season right now. Yeah, and uh, he gave away the penalty there for the goal. And uh, Benevento looked good, but couldn't hold it out. Yeah. It- I got to give some credit to Davide Nicola. I mean, the guy just came in for three days. He had a he had a Torino squad that dominated possession here. They created chances, but uh, it just they weren't quality chances with this Torino side. I do agree with you, Jules. I love the I love the Simone Zaza Andrea Bellotti pairing. You could see Bellotti sitting a little bit behind uh, Zaza, and that works. Now, if they could only get the midfield and the defense to link up. Then yeah. maybe, maybe we'll see this Torino slowly rise up. But yeah, they were fortunate to get the draw. It was very disappointing that uh, they almost lost this game. This is a game that uh, I feel that they should. This would have been a great response for uh, for Torino, showing that Marco Giampaolo system was the problem and not the team. But uh, again, inconsistent. Two two draw. People in Zaghi. Should be happy with this draw. Benevento stays, sits pretty where they are in the mid table, nice and uh, nice and safe above the relegation zone. And uh, yeah, I mean, we we we'll see what happens uh, next what week. Did we, what do we think about uh, Armando Ito? I don't know if you guys saw. He definitely had a concussion. He got knocked out cold. Tuia, they coll- they collided heads. Yeah, Ito got hit in the kind of the back to the side of the head. He was out cold. Had to get bandaged up. They didn't take him off the field, nothing. He came right back on. You would have thought for sure it would have been something. We hear about all the, especially in England, all the concussion protocols that they're yeah. pushing hard because of 
dementia. There's been a few players now that have passed away or been diagnosed with dementia, which yeah. is a serious disease. And I was just kind of disappointed to see how the protocol on that wasn't uh, enforced for Marloitzo. And it's going to play, I'll make a point about it again in the inter game, but specifically with Armando Ito, I couldn't believe that he still played. He was clearly groggy. Yeah. He was out cold on the floor. Yeah. I just couldn't believe he got back into the game. Yeah, you got you to gotta stop that. I mean, uh, for ref, you, you got to say any head injuries got to be taken seriously. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't want to hear about the people saying, well, now any shot to the head, they'll just go down easy. I mean, We've all played on the field, whether we played goalie, you know, forward, referee. I mean, you know when it's a head injury. Yeah. I mean, you can hear it. You can feel it. I mean, you just feel that it's 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 not any of this diving that we call our tactical foul. I mean, when it's a head injury, you know it's a head injury. That That's... That's that's got to be taken care of really well. And the fact that he goes on to play some more, yeah, I yeah. mean... Uh, uh, that's 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 something that uh, can't happen. I mean, we're we're playing with uh, we're playing with people's lives, their careers. And, yeah. Uh, it's uh, it, it, it's something they got to take uh, into consideration uh, sooner rather than later, or sure. else uh, it's not going to be pretty. No, definitely not. And uh, I'm not one to always say I'm I'm never one to say oh Europe should grab should take a should take a page of the North American sports books because. Uh, I love the European way, but this is a situation where the Italian city, uh, or the Italian football federation should take a page out of the NHL or the NFL or even the NBA's books uh, and their concussion protocols. They're very thorough. Any kind of hit to the head, they're pulled out of the game. They go into the dark room there. They're tested and not until, not unless they pass with flying colors, are they allowed to come back out? And I think that's what should have happened with Itzo. Um, so it's disappointing. A ball dropped. Luckily, nothing, nothing worse. And there wasn't any more tra- uh, tragic injury to him. Clearly, he has a concussion. It looks like he has a concussion. So I'd be surprised to see if he continues, if he continues with this Torino team or if he sits out for a little while uh, to get over this concussion. So Torino, Benevento, 2-2. Two to two. Let's move on to the next game. Roma Spezia, <laughs> 4-3. I think I need a heart monitor for this, that one. Uh, After I, that Coppa Italia debacle, which <laughs> Roma would have lost even if they won, yeah, causing the some major night. infighting in yeah. this team. What a disaster yeah. this team is. Fonseca, Jekyll at each other's throats. The team almost mutinied against Fonseca, apparently. But I'll let you guys explain it because you guys are the Roma fans. I don't know how you guys <laughs> yeah. love this club. I don't know. It's 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 up for it's do or die, man. It's it's definitely tougher now than it was before. Yeah, it's it's passion, and you know what though? The one thing I will say about this is I think the players are behind Paulo Fonseca in this in this case. It's got to, and you're if you're the Friedkin group. It's either going to be Fonseca or it's going to be Zeko. And it looks like it's going to be Zeko. I think Zeko's I, uh, gone. I think Zeko's gone. For the, yeah. amount of, for the amount of time and, yeah. you know, what they can actually ship him for and yeah. his age and whatnot. It's time I mean, for Zeko to it's go. It's time. It's time. Especially and he was good. And he yeah. was going to go. The, what, the first game of the year, he sat out because they yeah. thought he was going to go to Juve. So what yeah. does that say? So and after that performance by Borja, too. That's uh, what have I been saying? This guy needs to start. This guy needs to start. He needs to start. He needs to start. He started two great goals. He played phenomenal. I think one of the best players on the field. And uh, the one thing I will say though, watching this game, you can tell that the players are behind Fonseca because if the players weren't behind Fonseca, Pellegrini doesn't score that goal at the end. 
that was all heart. This Lorenzo Pellegrini is the heart and soul of this Roma team. He's the only Roman on the team. He is the new De Rossi, the new Tati. He's the guy that is Roma and uh, the next generation. And he took this team on his shoulders and scored that goal, which was, first of all, that third goal, Chris Smalling, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> oh, he, like, he knew it too. He knew, he it. knew it. Like, defensively i cannot believe the errors that this team is making and this team is sitting in third place in the city they're not going to be in third much longer (laughs) no they will be they will be be. we're getting the coming up there's no way we're getting the favors uh done and uh, atlanta and uv got some big games coming up i don't know if they can stay consistent we'll see but uh, uh, this defense, this this defense, defense is a problem. Is terrible. Yeah, this defense. Kambula, terrible. Chris Smalling, terrible. Jordan Vertu, Gonzalo Villar, terrible defenders in the midfield. This team defensively stinks. So you think, Jules, if we shore up the defense, this 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 might have been a 4-1 or a 3 100%. You yeah. know, it, we would have won with more uh, with more leeway than the score actually shows. Yeah. I think so. I think like Christian already stated, Pellegrini. Heart and soul. Karsdor, beautiful. Spinazzola, great. Bora Mariel, perfect. And you have Carlos Carlos Perez who can come off the bench who started he, this game. He's not going to be there much longer, I don't think. But you have good offensive weapons. Yeah. My question, yeah, but Roma is, is the midfield. They're, they get overrun every game. They got yeah. the best midfielder on the field was Lucien uh, Gume for Spezia. He was pulling yeah. all the strings. He's a lone player for Inter yeah. on, a, on a Serie B promoted side, and he looked like the best player in the midfield. Yeah. So that goes to show you. You, you got to ask a lot of questions. I know Jordan Vertu pops in with goals, but honestly, he has a lot of work to do on the other side no, of the he, game. He does. Uh, I think... I think we got a lot of work to do. Um, I think you got to, I think VR has got to come out. I think you got to sit Brian Cristante in front of the defense. I think that is the answer right now with what we have, with the cards that we were dealt with. Um, defensively wise, we have, you got to remember that Kambula and Ibanez, they're so young. I mean, they have so much potential to bloom into some great players. I think Mirage Kampula is going to be a stud. I just he needs time. He he needs a season to gel into this team and figure out where, what what direction they're going in. Um, Ibanez, same thing. As Chris Smalling was supposed to be the experience factor to teach these guys, and obviously he's he's failed miserably the past couple mm-hmm. of games. Um, and Paulo Lopez, poor game again from Paulo Lopez. And uh, it's this Roma team has got good pieces. That that I will say they got some good pieces. They're just not consistent. But the thing is, right now, the drama is it's either Ed Zeko or Paulo Fonseca. And it's kind of like Papu, the Papu Gomez, John uh, Piero Gasparini debacle there. Look at how the Atlanta players rallied behind Gasparini. Gasparini's brought them. So with my, my question is, my, well, my opinion is it's got to be Ed Zeko because how can you get rid of a Paulo Fonseca? Yes, the one question about Paulo Fonseca, he's hanging by a thread right now. He was ready to get axed right after this game. If that game was tied, if that game finished in a tie, he was gone. Like Lorenzo Pellegrini saved his job for another week. But it's tough. How do you get rid of a coach that you're that, that has you in the top three right now? Uh, when you look at the table, over a over a player that yes, he is the captain of the of the team, but at the same time, he hasn't put in any good performances this season. Maybe aside from one or two games, and he's been he's been. He's been a huge weak point for this Roma team. I think it's got to be Edin Zeko, or maybe, you know what, maybe it'll be both. 
because I know they all everybody knows that Max Allegri is waiting in the wings. Max Allegri is ready to take this team. Do you still go ahead and axe Paulo Fonseca after this win uh, and cause more chaos with these players? I think if you bring another coach in at this point in time, because it's so heated right now, you're going to cause more chaos than there already is with this Roma team. In my opinion, I think you keep Paulo Fonseca. You ride out the season with him. If he makes top four, you give him another year or two. Um, if he doesn't make top four, give him the axe. That's how I, I know I'm changing my opinion from last week, Nick, but with all the drama that's going on, the drama's made my opinion change. So, well, let me ask you this about Pellegrini. You, you said, you know, he's, he's the heart of Rome. He's Roman. He's the next Tati de Rossi, but are we treating him that way? That's no, the thing, right? No, we're not. The thing is we got, we got to give him that shot. If we, if he's going to be the next Roman, the next Romanista, right? The next Tati de Rossi. We kind of have to, you know, like if, if Zeko stays, does Zeko still have the armband? Right now it's Pellegrini. Yeah. You can't keep swapping armbands left and right. No. If Zeko goes, and Ze- if Zeko goes 110%, it's got to be Lorenzo Pellegrini. So you just have, like you said, Lorenzo Pellegrini scoring a last-minute goal, saving Fonseca the job. Yeah. Right? If I'm Fonseca or management, I might want to pay more attention to Pellegrini because – this isn't the old days, or maybe it is. I don't know, but we don't have a lot of Maldinis, Durassis, Tuttis, and all no. those guys left where they're a one-man club. Don't no. think for a second Pellegrini will say, hey, man, I'm going to go make my bucks elsewhere. Yeah, it's it's possible. He's been very vocal about wanting to stay in Rome. He plays for the badge. He plays for the club crest, and uh, he wants to keep it that way. And I think they need to give him the proper treatment. They've given him the contract extension, so they gave yeah. him what he wanted. I, I I think the next thing is you got to give this guy the armband when you give when you give Eden Zeko the axe. And Eden Zeko, it's a matter of time before he leaves. He's gone at the by the end of January, I think. So, it's uh it's a moot point at this point. I, I think it'd be crazy to sack Fonseca if he gets if even if he doesn't make the top four. Because I'm telling you right now, Roma's not making the top four with Juve, Milan, Atalanta, and Inter all fighting. Those are the four best teams in Italy, hands down. Roma is not in that category this season. And uh, to ask Fonseca would be a, a huge mistake because this team, this is the best they've looked in uh, in a while. Yeah, they were attacking wise. It's a good team. Jacko, it's time to go. The guys done nothing for him. He's never won them a trophy as a captain. He's done nothing. There's no cut him. That's yeah. it. He's not I, Roma. Roma exists beyond Jekyll. Yeah. Uh, I, so you, you bring in Lorenzo Pellegrini. Yeah, and I you, agree. Yeah, and, and you stick with Fonseca. He has a clear vision. You brought him a sporting director as well. He's also uh, yeah. Portuguese. Tiago Pinto. For a reason. These guys can work together. I'm yeah. pretty sure they have a bit of a history together now. And why, why break that up for a few bad apples? Yeah, that have been spoiling Roma. You know, there's a lot of bad apples of Roma with the Hellas Verona game. That bad apple got fired. Baldus, uh, what's his name again? Baldassoni. Baldassoni, yeah. They got rid of him, and then the recent one too. Another uh, team coach, whatever you want. Yeah, to call he, the got position. he got he axed. Got, he got axed. So, who are these guys? Just keep screwing up in their jobs. If you're not good enough to do your job, yeah. See you later. And yeah. the club, I think the owners have to stick beside the manager. And the players have to stop running Roma, and the management has to start running Roma. Hundred percent, I agree. Okay, because Roma isn't Totti, it's not De Rossi, it's not gonna be Pellegrini. Roma is the freaking group now, not these yeah. guys. Yeah, and they got to realize that. I think. Yeah. So before we move on, the one thing I will say about that is the one thing I can say about the freaking group is that the freaking group wants to win. They want to bring some notoriety. They want to bring some respect to this Roma club, and that's something that. Uh, 
that uh, obviously strayed way way away from James the James Palata days. So. Yeah, well, I got I met that guy. <laughs> yeah, so you met. So we'll get into that. A, we'll get into that a little bit later. But we want to hear about that story. About okay, James Palata. Okay, we'll get into <laughs> that in part three. <laughs> but uh, I can only imagine how much of a clown he is. Let's uh, <laughs> let's move let's move on to this dud of a game. So Jules says Roma's not going to make top four. Well, Inter is probably not going to win the Scudetto with the way they're performing right now uh, against Udinese. Zero. <laughs> Inter's winning the Scudetto. The hands are the Inter's destiny is in their hands. Same with Milan. The destiny is in their hands. But all Inter has to do is win, and they're and the Scudetto's in their hands. They just got to beat Milan and go match and point for point, and they win the Scudetto. It's that simple. You've had how many opportunities this season now this to isn't, catch them? This isn't a terrible result. Inter's been playing horrendous, and they're still two points behind first place. So imagine when Lukaku, Lautaro, they start in a form. Imagine when Inter starts in a form. They're the leading goal scorers in the league already. They don't really concede many goals anymore. Imagine when this team hits form, how great they're going to be. Yeah, but that's how long I, is it going to take to hit form? That, that's the question. <laughs> that is the question. Big time. It's 19 but that games. Win, but that win over Juve, that's, how, that's why I stress so much how important that game was. To get that win over Juve meant everything in terms of possibly winning the league. Because it, it hit a buffer. It's, it was a six-point win. And if they do it again, it's another six-point win. Those wins yeah. are massive. Because... I think in the end that is going to be their biggest rival at the end of the, at the end of the day. To be honest, that's no, going to be Milan Juve. It's going to be Juve. If Milan's there towards the end, I'll be very surprised because for Milan to go on this run for a year and a half, yeah, uh, it's going to be very tough to do. No, you're right. So, but, uh, well, regards, what yeah, do you think about this game against Udinese? This game, like I said, it wasn't it wasn't bad. The defense was great. We knew we know Udinese is a very stubborn team defensively and to bring it to the concussion protocol actually this is where i gotta give uh rodrigo bacow a bit of crap here he went down pretending he had a head injury to delay the game towards the end towards the end of the game and he's rubbing his head and this and that and then the second the ref told him to go to the sideline all of a sudden he got up oh my head's fine and he was arguing with the ref to say no i don't i don't need to go with the sideline i'm, I'm fine i'm good to go that right there is the reason it's an insult to head injuries that guy should have yeah. been carded and sent off the field that's embarrassing for the game. And the ref did the right thing. Yeah. Also, uh, in regards to the game itself, Udine, I don't know how they left the field with 11 men. They should have had two guys sent off with reds for multiple fouls. Uh, the ref didn't want to give Arsene Arsene. He was subbed off, I believe, within 30 minutes of the game. He gave your he gave your managers a couple of red cards at the end of the game. Yeah, though. he gave both of them red cards. Yeah. But besides that, I can't I can't complain. It's not a bad result. Like I said, destiny's in Inter's hand. It's bad now if you go lose the Coppa Italia match. It's bad if you go lose the next game. That's when it starts becoming bad, when destiny's taken out of your hand. But right now, destiny's in their hand. And like I said, at the end of the day, as long as they're in first after 38 matches, it doesn't matter if they're second right now, 20 weeks, 20 matches in. It doesn't matter. 38 rounds, that's when it matters. Okay. On to you, Nick. What did you think about this game? Uh, I think Inter's very fortunate to have a Milan loss and a couple of other slip-ups. Uh, Napoli, I think, uh, is, is done for the season. Uh, that's <laughs> another story, though. But uh, I do agree. Uh, the game was, uh, I mean, uh, I mean, Udinese had one shot on that the whole, the whole game. Mm-hmm. So, like, they're playing very stubborn, and they're pretty much grinding this one out. Yeah. Can they beat Inter? Well, anybody can, but I think they were happy with the point just to get, stay above uh, stay above the water. 
My only qualm with this is that, uh, you know, uh, you have a chance to go top or possible, uh, you know, uh, separate yourselves from the top. I think uh, performances, I, I do agree with Jules that it destiny's in their hands. But eventually, I also agree with Jules that it might slip out of their hands because, you know, you have teams that are ahead of you and below you, uh, like Juve, like Atalanta, uh, coming Roma. up behind, and you got a Roma. Ah, okay, all right. <laughs> but, I mean, you got Milan slipping up to Atlanta. We'll get to the Atalanta. We'll get to that a sec. But, I mean, if I get it that, you know, the Juve win was big, and it's a big, you know, six-point thing. But, I mean... You got to pick up points against the minnows. Yeah, the bot, the bottom feeders, the mid tables. Because do. if this doesn't happen, do. if this doesn't happen, uh, then you know, like thirty-eight, maybe round to 36, 35, You you go to face the big teams, and it doesn't go your way. Which I and think now you're running out of time. One of their last games too. Yeah, they are. Yeah. They are. Right. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yes, this Syria is very close. And I think I talked to you guys about uh, before the uh, Christmas break about how in the second half, uh, that's when things start to separate. Uh, however, that might be, that might bite me in the bum because it's so tight, but I don't think things are going to separate. I think it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be very close. I think we're not going to get a typical Scudetto winner in week 30 or 32. No, I think it's going to go uh, really so- down to a second or last week. Yeah. Maybe even one of those, uh, uh, games where uh, last last match day everybody plays at the same time and we'll, they don't know where the Scudetto Cup's going to be handed out. Yeah. Uh, but uh, if I'm Inter, uh, yes, Destiny's in your hand. But if you're smart, you can kind of sway Destiny a little bit to your side then as opposed to looking up to, uh, you know, the gods and saying, you know, let's take this Destiny ride. I think you can kind of pull a magnet towards yourselves a little bit and, uh you know, not, uh, but it's Pazza Inter, so what can I say? No, yeah. I the, the big the big question, though, with Inter 2, the big criticism I'll give them, because there still is a lot to criticize with them. It's it's their, once again, how they are the leading goal-scoring team in the city, I have no idea, because once Lukaku's out of the game, they do nothing offensively. Yeah. Uh, and that's a problem that Conte has to solve desperately. He, he tried everything at the end to get a goal against Udine. He... He brought on Stefano Senzi. He brought on Ivan Perisic, Alexis Sanchez, who actually made a pretty decent impact. But there's nothing. There was nothing there. Once again, I thought Erickson maybe would have been a good sub to come on and unlock this defense. But yeah, he needs to come up with something different from Romelu. It can't just be Lukaku. If they, if it's just him, you're not going to win. Like you look at Juve. Juve has nine goals from their midfield. Enters yeah. midfield doesn't score goals. Maybe Eden Zeckel's the answer. <laughs> for half a season, why not? Yeah, well, hey, you never know. He, they're one of the hey. teams in the running, right? So yeah. you can link up with Kolarov. Yeah, there you go. I don't think Roma will end him tinter though. <laughs> no, I think they will. I think they just want to get him out. But yeah. here, here's my thoughts on this game. So you're you're a Scudetto contender. Milan drops points against Atlanta, which we'll talk about very soon. If you're a Scudetto contender, if you're if you're expected to win the Scudetto, you need to smash a team like Udinese that's hovering just above the relegation zone that are a mess. And it didn't happen. It was a 0-0 draw. Cards or no cards, you guys didn't put goals on it. The, the, goal didn't go, the ball didn't go in the back of the net. Juan Musso had a great game. Kevin Bonafazzi played great. But Inter, the way they play, 
their style, the Antonio Conte style, where they suffocate teams like Udinese and they don't, they're relentless, high pressure, high tempo game. They should have kept it going and for some reason didn't happen. If I'm an if if I were an Inter fan, I'd be slightly disappointed with this result. But it's like you said, it's not the end of the world because uh, they're only within two points of Milan now, right? So they're only within two points, but I think they're only four points ahead of Roma. So watch out, and uh, <laughs> yeah, don't kid yourself. See, that's that's how tight it is. Uh, and, uh, but uh, yeah, Udinese will be happy with this result for sure. Yeah, they're in the relegation battle. The points. Huge yeah. for the net. The points the huge the for the net. They and hey, credit to them. They they tied Atalanta midweek and they tied Inter, so they claimed two scalps there. So good for them. Yeah, um, and that goes to show that's to have the two best offensive teams in the league not put a goal against you says says yeah. something. Yeah, big absolutely. time. Definitely, absolutely. Yeah. So let's move on to the next game. Let's move on to the Atalanta show. Cool. That's wow. Good. Wow. Three nothing. They totally from the kickoff. Right until the final whistle, they dom- like they made Milan look like a mid-table team. They did, they did. Hands yeah, down. I, I think this result has been coming a while for Milan now. I yeah. think we were all starting to question how is it possible they keep winning, they keep winning, they keep winning, and it just seemed like a matter of time for me personally before. And that's you know that headline that was written for the last podcast. The title was perfect. Will Milan be able to handle Atalanta the offense and? They weren't. Milan, listen, you need a bit of luck. They've been riding their luck. Yeah. But when Sandro Tonali, and not to discredit him, when he's your best performer on the day, which he yeah. shouldn't be, he should not be your star considering his age and he's just new to the team. Yeah. That's a big problem. Is this game a one-off? We'll mm-hmm. see. This is we'll twice see. now. This is twice now. They've they were outplayed against Inter in their game, even yeah. though they won. So that wasn't yeah. a good showing. I think they drew Roma. They did. Right? They lost to Juve and they've been beaten by Atalanta. Yeah. So they're showing at the top of the table. I mean, against the top teams isn't the greatest. That's where the biggest question marks have to come, I think, for this uh, Milan team. Not to undo everything they've done. They're still in first. Yeah. Destiny is still in their hand as well. So, But here's the thing with Milan now, though. Like, after this game, they're playing Spezia, I believe Crotone, and then I think Bologna. Like, those are their next three games. Then they play Inter. Mm-hmm. But those are their next three games. Like, only th- I'd say Crotone maybe is the easiest game. Spezia we've sh- has shown that they're a very hard team to beat. They're very offensive and they'll punish you. They're not scared to play. Yeah. Who's the other team you said? I believe it's Bologna. 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 And Bologna wow. today, if Skorupski plays the way he did against Juve, Bologna has a chance at getting points against yeah. the top. Uh, it's it's yeah. it's Bologna. They're they're away to Bologna. Then they're home to Crotone. Then they're away to Spezia. That's how it goes. And then their next Serie A game after that is against Inter. So yeah, let's see. Let's see how that goes. But what can you say about Atalanta? Christian Romero stepped best, up. Best defender yeah. In, yeah. The, in both boxes in the city. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know what Kalulu was doing on the first goal, how he just let Romero go. That was poor marking on Kalulu's uh, part for the first goal. But the one guy I want to talk about, is the former Palermo man himself, Josip Ilicic. Yeah. Holy cow. This guy, this guy's been amazing since he came back. He's been amazing for this team. This is the leader that they need. A guy that keeps his mouth shut, listens to the coach, and has the talent to back up everything he does and everything he says. 
and when when he does say something because he's pretty quiet. But uh, this guy, hands down, he this Atalanta team I'm scared of. This uh, this Atalanta team frightens me. And they kept Zlatan pretty quiet. Zlatan had a pretty quiet game. I was surprised by that, uh, especially considering that the, the Atalanta defense is good, but they have their gaps too, right? And yeah, they can definitely. get exposed. And the fact that Zlatan wasn't able to unlock that, credit to Atalanta for that. Uh, and he said post-match he felt isolated up front, that he yeah. had no support. I think Pioli got it wrong by putting Miete behind him. Yeah, um, I think so. And the whole plan was to sit back and give long balls. That's what the whole plan was. But Christian Romero, they say, how can Christian Romero win the ball against Zlatan? Listen, height doesn't really matter in terms of winning headers. It's it's the timing. And Christian Romero is one of the best in the league. Yeah. That's why this guy gets so many goals. Yeah. He wins so many headers uh, in his defensive end as well. Yeah. On top of it, we were, we've were we been saying Atalanta needs a great defender next to Christian Romero for Atalanta to be a great team. And I think they found it in Berat Dijmisti, the Albanian. Yep. He's been uh, phenomenal. He's been uh, phenomenal. As well. And that midfield, this... This is, uh, see, Atalanta, the way they play, they kind of, it's uh, showing me where Roma kind of want to go. And this is, if Roma had these two midfielders, for instance, Roma would be a completely different team. If they had Martin Darun and Remo uh, Freuler yeah. in their team, guys that just know their job and they stick to it. That's these what's guys, missing, 100%. They are the best covering midfielders in the league. Yeah. They don't score goals, but they cover their defense and and they run their, their tail off. off. Yeah, they yes. run their tail off. Uh, the one thing, question I have for you guys is, what did you guys think of Mandzukic coming on? Uh, I said this last week. Then I? I said he hasn't played in over a year. Yeah. We, like, I, was, I was going to be extremely shocked if he comes into this game and gets a hat trick after yeah. not playing for a year. Yeah. I mean, he showed. He showed. He showed he's – I mean, you can train all you want. You can scrimmage all you want. I mean, it showed. It showed he wasn't uh, up to up to speed. Yeah, yeah. I th- I think his performance was all decent for his first you know appearance in uh, over a year almost with the fifteen touches. He did have two shots on net. He won seventy five percent of his aerial duels. So he did we had to do, but yeah, couldn't expect so, too much from him. No. So Atlanta with the the jury's in. I guess, or the jury's out. I guess they're better without Papu. Yeah, oh, 100% they, they are, hands down. The stats show they have a higher winning percentage without him. So, yeah. Better you, defense and a better offense without him. Drama <laughs> queen, see? Yeah. Drama queen. He's not, And he's not looking good because th- there's – we don't know where he's going to go yet. It's evident that he's probably going to go somewhere but before the transfer window closes. Mm-hmm. But I know Nick's got some stuff on it that we'll talk about later, but there hasn't been anything major on – Papu Gomez going to like a like a team in the EPL or going yeah. anywhere, right? Like nobody uh, wants him. What do you guys think about the Lanta Scudetto chances? Are they legit? Can they win it? Scudetto, no. Scudetto, no. In my opinion, I don't think Scudetto. I think uh, I think uh, I think they're a little bit. Uh, they have a same problem like Napoli with mentality, but not as bad. It'll be interesting to see what Atalanta does when we get back in the Champions League. Yeah. I think Atalanta is going to go on a Champions League run. I think we're going to see another Champions League run for Atalanta, and I think that's where their focus is going to go, um, especially if they get through the round of 16. I could see this Atalanta team probably going to the top, making the semifinals, possibly finals of the Champions League. Yeah, especially when 
you got Liverpool playing very poorly. Yeah. Bayern just turned the ship around recently. Bayern, uh, they yeah. were playing pretty poorly, but now they're playing good again. They're on a roll again. Yeah. But if someone hits form in Champions League, yeah, they can make a, a run. That's for Good sure. impact. Yeah. yeah. I would if I wouldn't want to play this Atalanta team in Champions League, that's for sure. Because no. when you because yes, Atlanta went on this run where everybody figured out who they everyone knew got a, a whiff of who they were last year. I still think that there are a lot of teams in the Champions League that really don't know Atalanta because they're not a regular in the Champions League, and that hurts. That's more to Atalanta's advantage. That hurts their opposition big time because they're not familiar with this kind of style. They're not familiar with yeah. this team, right? So, But Scudetto-wise, I don't know. I mean, the, I will, if Atalanta goes on like a eight, nine-game run where they just completely dominate, then I maybe, but... Look what happened. They had a great game, 3-0. Midweek, they tied Udinese, right? So mm-hmm. that's where the inconsistency lies with this, with this Atalanta team. They're still inconsistent, but when they're, on, when they're on form and when they show up for the big games, they are dangerous. Hands down. But, so let me get a question for you guys. So yeah, usually yeah. when they have um, – talk about inconsistency. Is the reason why – like usually you have teams, not so much in uh, Premier League, but teams where, you know, you got to be next to near perfect to win the league. Do you think this year the reason why it's so close because we have so many teams that are just not consistent? I would think so. Yeah. Usually you're used to, uh, you know, like I said, by week thirty, week thirty-two, it's already in the bag. You know, they got uh, they got literally maybe one or two defeats, a bunch of draws, lots of wins. You know, they have it wrapped up pretty much. But I think this year, I could say uh, there's been a lot of teams that they go on a tear. And then, like, it just seems that everybody in Syria, the reason why it's so close is because there's a lot of teams that, you know, it's a lot closer because everybody, it's neither, I would say neither the level is up or the inconsistency is up. For me, I think the level is up. I truly do. I think all the teams have gotten better. Um even the mid-table teams are putting up more of a fight, and we can look at it. And it also has to do with the fact Juve is in <clears throat> the Juve of two, three years ago, the way they would go on these yeah. winning streaks, like double-digit winning streaks, and just blow the league away. Like you said, you're in you know, late 20s, early 30s in terms of round, and the league's almost done. You know they're going to win. Um, so Juve being inconsistent in regards to their wins and drawing every other week, has made it interesting as well. But I think the rest of the league, given Juve a run for their money in these games, the big teams especially, because well, that's always been a problem. The big teams at the top never beat Juve. It's always the bottom teams that pick points off of them here and there. Right. But now that the big teams can give Juve a fight, I think it's opened up the league too, mm-hmm. wide open. Mm-hmm. Makes it exciting though. Uh, yeah. Definitely. Makes it exciting. But that being said, let's move on to an exciting game. Well, I'm being sarcastic here. Fiorentina... <laughs> Winning 2-1 against Crotone. Crotone, <laughs> back in the basement, staying in the basement. But Fiorentina, you know, Fiorentina showed up for this game. They, they, Giacomo Bonaventura finally came out to play, it looks like. Yeah. Uh, they had a bit of a scare. I watched this game from start to finish. And uh, they, when uh, Crotone got that goal, they, they looked pretty scared. Oh, they, they sure. got shook a little bit. Oh, for sure. That, that top, I'm telling you, that top two of Crotone is an anomaly with Nwankwo and Junior Messias. I yeah. think they're phenomenal players. I know we've said it time and time again. 
these two guys are off to bigger and better clubs at the end of the season. Well, now, now Messiah, I think he went off injured. He got substituted off injured. Yeah. So that's yeah. going to be a, even a worry for Crotone too. Yeah. Well, I, right? that's a big, he, he is their offense. So he is, him, he is. that duo doesn't work. Yeah. But uh, other than that, I mean, you know, Frank Ribery chipped in on an assist here, got a yep. yellow card as well. Vlahovic scored. So Vlahovic is trying, is slowly restoring the faith that Prandelli has in him to, to lead this line. This Fiorentina team is still, they're missing so many pieces, but it was a, it was a decent win for them. Um, again, we're seeing Martin Caceres play. This guy is done. This, nah, yeah. this guy is absolutely finished. This guy should not be on this team. This guy should be in a city of C, city of D team. Like, he's that bad. And it's, I, I guess they don't have a choice but to use him. Milenkovic is turning into be such a quality center back. He's got yeah. great size, and uh, he can play the ball. He can play with the ball. He can move the ball. He can score goals. Like, what can't this guy do? This guy's a dangerous weapon. And uh, if, if I'm, uh, I'm Fiorentina, I'm probably going to be – the phone's going to be ringing at the end of the season for this guy's signature. What did you guys think of this game? Well, I, what I noticed, I watched this game pretty much from start to finish, and you guys talked about Vlahovic. So, you know, he's restored the faith, and then if you notice when uh, Pandrelli subs him off, he's just livid. Yeah, he doesn't right? want to he's come like, off. He's like, you just, I just, I just pretty much did all the hard work, right? <laughs> Let me stay on to get, you know, to get us through this. And what does Prandelli do? Turns him right off. He's in the dugout throwing his socks and shin pads. He's upset. But that's Chesida. No. That's Chesida. That's Chesida, right? That's, that's Chesida Prandelli. He's an idiot. Right. So, <laughs> I mean, uh, and even and he, and uh, I mean, yeah, I was watching, and even the commentator said, "Ah, oh, he doesn't look so happy. Uh, maybe, maybe he should have been somehow subbed off." But oh. I mean, I think they were down two-one when he substituted Lahovic off. Yeah, Gertone uh, got they one back, like, so they were up. Yeah, and they started. Yeah, and that, that's I think where he's upset, where he's like, "Hey, you know, I could, I could, I could see us through this, right?" Yeah. And then when he came off, things got a little shaky. But that was one thing I noticed from it too. It was like, you know, you just gave this guy some faith with him on the field. You're up to nothing. Yeah, there's one down, but I mean, give give the guy the full ninety minutes. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. and maybe it won't be such a. I mean, at that point, Cortone got their possession up. Yeah. Right, and I mean, we're talking Crotone here. I don't know the ones the last time they 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 pretty much had more possession in that half, where the whole game favored Crotone as possession in that one game. Yeah, and it all came from yeah, when Vlahovic left. It is what it is. Fiorentina one, Crotone another loss. No surprise there, but uh, but still not still a few points out of relegation. Uh, oh hey, <laughs> hey I, that's because of the inconsistency down there. Uh, let's move on to another game. Juve's bounce back, two nothing on Bologna. Yeah. Anybody surprised about this? I don't think. I'm so. not. I I think uh, I think they're the only ones that really capitalized uh, with the points dropped from the top three or mm-hmm. the top two. Uh, this uh, this is what scares me because uh, I think in the last few times uh, Juve uh, won the league, they didn't win it. I think the last two years, I remember they didn't really win it convincingly. No, but they still won it, and this is what uh, this is what scares me. That if uh, the guys at the top are going to be uh, dropping points, uh, and Juve's picking up, I'm thinking you know Weston McKinney's doing well, uh, Ronaldo's Ronaldo, 
but I think uh, if there if there's going to be a team that's going to go on a on a bit of a win roll, especially you picking up, you know, wins against mid to bottom table teams. Yeah. And uh, you know, hopefully you get a result on the big, the top teams. I think it's going to get. I think it's we're all going to be gasping for it all, not UV again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, a, a big. I think a big reason the scoreline was only two nothing was, as Juliano mentioned, Lucas Skorupski uh, had a had a game and a half. I don't think I don't th- I never knew he had that in him. Yeah, he he was phenomenal. Even Chesney though, both Polish goalies. Chesney yeah. only had two saves to make, but they were yeah. they were big ones, important saves. Yeah. Yeah, I mean uh, the 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 future in between the sticks is bright for Poland, who just replaced their coach too, by the way, with Paulo mm-hmm. Souza. You know, both goalkeepers, fantastic. Uh, but other than that, for this Bologna team, yeah, there was nothing else. Uh, did you guys yeah, see our Do you guys see Orsellini uh, make uh, Chiellini fall on his butt? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was I was just gonna bring up Chiellini. I know. Holy. I know. I'm gonna. Juve fans are gonna get upset about because I'm an Inter fan, but it's beyond that. I'm being impartial. Chiellini is finished again. I agree with you. Next to Dejan Kulusevski. One of the worst performers on the field. Kalini is a walking accident. The guy gets a card a game. He makes one big big mistake a game. And he is the worst defender. 1v1. One of the worst defenders I've seen. Even in his prime, I'm talking. Okay? But once again, what he does great is he can win a header like no other. When your back is to your own net, he does not let you turn. So I'll give him yeah. that. But yeah. he has some big weaknesses. And I'm afraid if Pirlo sticks with him, that might hurt Juve a little bit down the road. Now I know the clean sheet, but you play against a clinical team and Chiellini's going to get exposed. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. The defender he is. And if I'm them at all on the bench, Andy Lick, as he's getting healthier coming out of COVID and he had his shoulder injury as well once he comes out of that. And if I'm on the bench for Giorgio Chiellini, captain or not captain, I'm not happy. I as, agree as with those you. players. Yeah. I agree with you. Uh, he's definitely he's he's past done. Can't move. He's slow. Terrible one on one defender, like you said. Like he doesn't have a good quality anymore. He's just got the name. And uh, as an Italian soccer fan, I'm gonna be holding my breath every time he's on the field in the Euro, uh, because uh, we know that's gonna happen. And uh, yeah, he, he's he's finished. Delit De- De- Demorel, this is their time, and Andrea Pirlo needs to see that and needs to use these two guys because you don't use these two guys. You don't give them the playing time that they they deserve. They're going to go elsewhere very quickly. And then yeah. what are you going to have left? You're going to have your youth squad. Nobody's going to want to come in and play defense because everybody knows you got to, if you're coming to UV, you got to sit behind Bonucci and Chiellini. And how's that fair? Yeah. It's not fair. If you beat them on the field, you've earned your spot. You do not start by merit. You don't start because of your name. You start because you are the best player for the position. And, and talking about best players before we leave this game, Juan Cordado, again, this yeah, guy. This guy's a stud. Holy. Honestly, next to Cristiano Ronaldo, the best player in this team for the entire season, the best player in this game was Juan. Uh, he did everything. Won every 50-50 ball dribbled past the, the entire right side. He they took a few it. shots, too. You oh, usually don't see him take that, but he was getting a little bit uh, selfish, which is good to see. Yeah, he's yeah. turning he's turned into such a weapon when I think people earlier on in his Juve career were questioning him why he was even in this team. 
you knew he could dribble and stuff, but he wasn't consistent. Now this guy's just a machine and yeah. uh, excellent, excellent player all season. So yeah, Genoa one nothing victors against Cagliari. Genoa showed up for this game. They played solid. They played organized. They're playing a Davide Ballardini way, Jules, and it's working. Listen, Davide Ballardini, <laughs> that guy. He even said himself, he doesn't know how this team is winning right now. That's what he said, his own words in the press conference. He doesn't know what he's doing right for this team to be performing. So that goes to show you, this guy doesn't exude any confidence. It's just a matter of time before this Genoa team is going to collapse and they're going to start losing again. Because this guy clearly doesn't know what he's doing. we got to remember, this is the same guy that brought this team into this relegation position. And that's why they fired him. He's not the answer for Genoa. He's doing a good job now. He's a temporary answer. He's this not... is this is a long season. He's had a good run. I'm telling you, it's just a matter of time with Ballardini before the wheels fall off. Because he wears those glasses because he doesn't he doesn't want to show his shock in his face when his team pulls off results. Yeah, okay. Well, they, hey, listen. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead, Nick. Yeah, Perrin had a good game, and uh, oh, Struben made a Struben made an immediate impact. An assist Evan. to uh, Destro. The man. The, the man, he's got uh, ways well, he comes in and he does what he does best, getting those assists. Yeah, and who and who puts it pops in the goal? Matias Destro. How the many Roma guys? Connection. How the many Roma guys? Is, how many goals this guy got this season? He's got like five or six now. Yeah, that's something it. Like that. Something like Andrea that. Andrea Masiello too had an outstanding game. Mister huh? Body over there, Andrea yeah. Masiello. I know. Huge. So, you gotta admit though that that's that was the difference, and that's what I wanted to say. The difference was the back three. Maziello yes. stood in. Radovanovic played well, and Krishito had the best game of the season of his his best game of the season so far. That's the old Domenico Krishito we know. But Delhi was consistent, been the most consistent player, like you've said, Jules, on this mm-hmm. team all season. Kevin Struman, immediate impact, like Nick said, and Destro pops in the goal. On the other side, Cagliari, Alessio Cragno played all right. He played well, I think. Uh, yeah, they, they didn't play bad, Cagliari. They didn't play bad. Their no. defense, the defense played well, too. Like, Cepatelli played good. Godin played good. Lico Giannis played good, right? Yeah. There you go, Nick. Lico Giannis, he's that guy on the national team. Look at him on the national team. Uh, he yeah. doesn't play for Olympiacos. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, just, it was just the one goal. And Cagliari's problem now is João Pedro doesn't score. They don't do anything. Because Giovanni Simeone is not capable. Rajan Angolan's passed it. Yeah. If João Pedro doesn't show up for Cagliari, no one. But no here's one the problem. Here's the problem, though. This is a, this is another Di Francesco mistake. <laughs> boneheaded yeah. mistake. Why are you playing? And talk, and talk about the ownership after about their boneheaded mistake. Oh, 100 percent, we will. <laughs> okay. So why would Rajan Angolan is a deep midfielder, center mid? He's not an attacking midfielder. He's he's not. He, that's not the position for him. Why are you playing him side by side with Joao Pedro? That doesn't make any sense to me at all whatsoever, especially with the guys you have on the bench. They can play. You got to play Roger Nangolan in his position, which is a deep center midfield where he he's the anchor man. That's where it's got to be because then he could sneak in. He could score that rocket here and there. That's what Roger Nangolan can do. If Roger Nangolan's on the forefront sitting behind Simeone, it makes no sense to me. No sense to me. He never did that at Roma. He never did it at Inter. He never used to do it at Cagliari when he was first there. So why now? Why, why try this now? The only thing I can think of is Di Francesco thinks he doesn't have the legs. On top of it, uh, Razvan Marin, I think, Romanian player. He's been playing great all season, one of the best yeah. players at Cagliari. He's yeah. kind of taken Raja's spot. Um, so maybe that's why. But 
yeah, Raja and Nangolan, he's not as effective. You're better off playing Nandez up there than you are playing Nangolan, in my opinion. Yeah, Nandez just has more about him. Raja, you need more in the center. Exactly. Where he can dictate play. I feel like exactly. he's, he's too lost out there. Exactly. So, after the game, I thought this was going to be Eusebio Di Francesco's last game. Because, like, oh, they lost. That's it. It's over. <laughs> But no, the ownership announces they make a boneheaded move and they announce that they have now extended Eusebio Di Francesco. So this, this, team, loss. this team is now sitting in 18th place. They have After fallen into relegation. After six losses in a row. Six losses in a row. <laughs> and they give him an extension. Like, who's out to lunch up there in the upper management? I too much know. Torone. They're, ch- they're chopping on too much Torone up at their Cagliari. Must be must be fine, Corona. <laughs> yeah. What is going on? Like that that doesn't make any sense to me because at the end of the day, if he goes, if he loses four more games, they're gonna ax him. And guess what? They're gonna have to. He's gonna be in a golden prison with Spalletti, and they're gonna be paying him nice chunk of change for another season or two because they have to pay him out, right? So it's yeah, it's just, it makes no sense. And if I'm a cut, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and it doesn't look good for Cagliari. You give this guy a renewal. You have Torino now, who aren't losing as many games. Genoa, who aren't yeah. losing as many games. Spezia, who can win games. Udine, Bologna, Fiorentina. So who are you going to jump out of those teams? It's got to be exactly. one of those teams. If I'm a Cagliari fan, I'm pissed off right now. Yeah. I'm pissed off right now. Like That's 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 awful. That's no awful. One, shows no ambition. Yeah. Shows no ambition whatsoever, especially when you know there's other, there's other coaches out there. There's better coaches than Di Francesco out there. Yeah. There is better coaches out there. They could bring in anybody to, to, to make this Cagliari team survive, but it's not going to happen. See you later. Here's an extension. Now. You want to talk about a team that plays with no ambition? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As I was about to say, let's talk about Napoli. Oh. oh that's a team with no uh-huh. Oh, my God. You know, it started off well. I think he broke a record there. Seven, uh, Seven I, seconds or something like that? It's really close to Leal's record. It's yeah, close but. to Real? It's close to Liao. Liao's yeah. got the Liao got it earlier this year against Sassuolo. But yeah, like a game, a goal like that, like when Liao scored that on Sassuolo, anytime that happens, that totally deflates the team that just conceded. Yeah. Somehow, it fired up this Hellas Verona team, and they turned on the switch. Like it was, it was, it was a mistake. They weren't prepared. That and, and it goes to what Giuliano said before. It comes down to prepare, uh, being prepared, and yeah, being uh, focused, prepared. Yeah, yeah. And they weren't there, but they definitely came back. And uh, like the one thing I want to say is, yes, this team, this Napoli team's got no ambition. They got they sucked in the Supercoppa. Lorenzo Insigne is a joke. What a miss on a penalty. <laughs> I, uh, he's, I said he's the guy is not world class. He's no. The, one of the biggest chokers on the big stage in professional oh. football, period. Exactly. But before we get to that, what I want to talk about is I want to talk about two studs that Italy needs to look at right now. And I'm talking about Zaccagni and I'm talking about Di Marco. Yeah. These guys have shown consistency this year. They're fantastic for this Hellas Verona team. This is a team that is playing a full team game loves to loves to play counterattacking football and they played it perfectly today and just phenomenal players the goals were beautiful and then on the other side you got a Napoli team 
mentality totally destroyed them yet again. Yeah. I'll start with Hellas Verona. Yeah, Mattia Zaccagni and Federico Di Marco, both coming from Inter and, and Milan, respectively. Federico was at fault for the first goal. But he made up for it. But the mentality, exactly, to, to run right. And he was playing as a left center back. He wanted to score. I, I think you put it good. That early goal hurt Napoli because it invited Verona to not have to play in their shot. And they came out and absolutely dominated Napoli. Yeah. And uh, uh, not only and, that, but holy yeah. man, it just, I, th- I heard, uh, I heard uh, that uh, Napoli wants a Conde now. They want him. Yeah, I don't. They blame want him now. I don't blame him. Get rid of Insigne from. <laughs> yeah, seriously. But um, uh, even the midfield too. The whole this House Verona team are so great from back to front. We've been saying it. Great goalie, great defense. The midfield now, even Ilic and uh, Adrian Tameze from uh, Nisa, if I'm not mistaken, they signed him. Great yeah. players and uh, this trio of Italian players. I want to throw in Davide Davide Faroni as well. <laughs> the three of them. These guys need to be in the uh, national team. They're great players and uh, they're showing it with Hellas Verona this year. I think this is it. I think, I think for me, I can safely say they're out of the Scudetto race. That, yeah. Oh, hands yeah. down. Because I think more of these are going to happen. Yeah. I agree. That. But is, is Gattuso, is Gattuso the reason? Like, I don't think it's Gattuso, but is Gattuso the reason? I, or is it I, the same I, crappy players that are playing every season that choke? <sighs> I don't know. I think I think there's an arrogance with the players in this squad. Yeah. And they I think they've tuned out Gattuso. You could see Gattuso getting visibly upset after the second goal. He took off his jacket and threw it. And <laughs> but said, did, oh. Didn't they do this with Ancelotti too? They they they, they, yeah. they, 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 they revolted. Them. They, they revolted and they snubbed them. And you're telling so. me Ancelotti was at fault? One of the best coaches of all time no. was at fault? No, he like, wasn't. I think if you're De Laurentiis at this point in time, you gotta take a hard look at your players, and you gotta you gotta sit you gotta say like, can I win with these guys with this attitude? No, I can't. There's a couple of great pieces that you can keep and build around, like Zielinski. I don't think Zielinski's a. Player. I think Zielinski's good. If I was De Laurentiis, what I would do was I would literally axe or trade one of the players that's uh, I'm gonna say loved, but you gotta make a statement. You gotta you say there's no one yeah. safe. Right, yeah. so you find out where this these groups are, and and you ask one of them. You say you're you're gone. You get so you got to take one of them. You got to pop one of them off and say none of you are safe now. Yeah, yeah, and and you look. You got Stanislav Lobotka off the bench talking with uh, his uh, international teammate, or I don't know if they're international teammates or former teammates, but um, they're joking after the game. I know they're players, whatever. It's doesn't you know, matter. You can't take life too serious, but. You know, when Napoli's not doing good right now, you shouldn't be there laughing, talking, joking after the game. You're a sub. You played a part in this uh, debacle yeah. of the game for Napoli, and you should be showing yourself better. It just shows that you don't care. And this, yeah. and that's the attitude of these guys. If, not, if that was a Juve player, and Juve is the best because Juve has the best mentality in the city uh, when yeah. it comes to winning games. When they lose, they're they're mad. They're not there joking around with the other team after. Yeah, off the field, and you get right into the change room, and that's it. But and I don't, I don't think that's what Gattuso's style or what Gattuso's all about. I don't about. think so either. I no. don't think so either. These I guys are just too pampered. It and it comes down to the leadership. You look at who their captain is. Yeah, and that's all you have to say about Napoli. Look at the captain. That's why Napoli is the way they are. Yeah. Because if, if I'm De Laurentiis, I make a huge statement and I get rid of those two clowns, Dries Mertens and uh, Lorenzo Insigne. Those guys are the problem. Great players, talented yeah. players, but, 
but they're the problem. I guarantee you that. Those guys are the problem with this team. I agree. Drees, just because he broke Maradona's record, it doesn't mean nothing. Records, does, yeah. this stuff doesn't matter. It exactly. does not matter. Napoli should be doing so much better than, they what, should be. uh, than what they're showing. Yeah. And I agree. Like, if I look at this team, Insigne gone. Mertens, you're out of there. Koulibaly, yeah. he's shown that he wants to go. See you later. Yeah, he doesn't want to be there. Maximovic gone. Isaj, see you later, buddy. Uh, and I'm just keeping the few, like Diego Dame, Lozano, Zelensky. Maybe just a handful of players. The rest, this whole team just needs to go. Marat, see you later. Yeah. They can yeah. all go and yeah. play somewhere else. Manola, see you later. He <laughs> <laughs> wishes he was at Roma still. No, I don't think so. Hey, he'd be good I wouldn't him. mind. I, 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 I could take him now with the defense. I know. He wouldn't be a bad depth piece, that's for sure. Yeah, I'll tell I, I was upset when he left. He's, yeah. uh, he's a Greek Leonardo Benucci, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so Napoli dropping it. That that takes them clearly out of the title race, possibly out of the top out of the top four race. Especially yeah. if they, I don't even think they're gonna. I think Juve's gonna mop the floor with them when they play that makeup game. I think if this I, continues. Yeah, it, yeah. If it continues, that's it. But let's move on to another Roman team. As much as I don't want to, Lazio, <laughs> two to one victors over Sassuolo, and Sassuolo came out of the gate firing Chicho Caputo getting a goal. But then Lazio again, come coming from behind, showing that they can do this and and showing resiliency mentally. Like Milinkovic Savage, this midfielder, this mid this midfield has been lights out. Good. They've and this been was, and this out. was out. And this was without Luis Alberto. Luis Alberto. I know. One Correa played great. Marosic played great. Immobile bagging another goal. Yeah, Cherby again outstanding too. Talk about good center backs for Italy. There's this guy a, needs to be a starter in yeah. the Italian national team. I, I don't think he's had one bad game all season. He hasn't. He hasn't. Yeah. To That's think it. to think at the beginning of the season how we were talking about Lazio, whether they were going to do good or not, whether they're going to struggle. Yeah. This team has, I think, exceeded all expectations. Uh, and it seems like they're only getting better. I am interested because they've now they've turned a corner in my books and – they're like they're on, I think they got way too much ground to make up, which is why I think they're not Yeah, they started gonna, the season slow. Yeah, I think there's way too much ground for them to make up. Like I don't think like it'll it'll be a it'll be a stretch for them to get into the top four. But the way they're playing right now, if this Lazio team showed up this season at the start of the season playing this way, they'd be hands down in the top two, top three. And it's gonna be really interesting to see. Like I before I was like, when they got drawn with Bayern Munich in the round of six, I'm like, oh, there we go. Thanks for the, thanks for the, thanks for yeah. the two games. See you later. But now I don't know. Even though I know Bayern Munich is red hot right now, I don't know if this Lazio team is just gonna lie down against this against this Bayern Munich team when they play each other. Like, it's gonna be a little more tougher than people think it's gonna be. I I think Lazio have a clear chance at winning against Bayern. I yeah. really do. I think Bayern, Bayern gets overhyped because a lot of people, they hear the hype because they look at the numbers of Lewandowski, but they don't watch the games. They don't watch the Bayern games. They don't analyze the team. And yeah. Bayern has glaring weaknesses, especially with their style of play, how yeah. high octane, how high up the field they play. It's not sustainable for an entire season. So they go through the lull periods. So if Lazio can catch Bayern on their lull period, they definitely have a chance at beating Bayern For Munich. sure. For sure. And it sure to shut down Lewandowski once this season. So. It's true. It's true. I think for Syria, I think Lazio will catch up, suppress Napoli. 
Uh, I know I had Roma pretty much in the Europa League spot. I think those two somehow find each other battling it out for that. Oh, it's yeah. going to be for Champions League, buddy. Don't kid yourself. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm more I'm realistic this season. I think right now, if the season were to end today, I think Roma would surpass all of its achievements, oh, despite all the stuff that's happening. 100%. 100%. But Lazio, fantastic. Sassuolo, they went on a, They had a great first half of the season. Now they're showing their true colors, in my opinion. They just they can't keep up. No, they can't. They can't. It, they're, they're going back down into mid-table obscurity. They had, it, it was a great run. They were up there. They were fighting it out. It was fun while it lasted. But, yeah, there's no coming back from this, I don't think, no. No, they, they can't string two wins together anymore. No. no and when you don't have uh, – listen, when one of the big three – of Manuel Locatelli, Cabuto, and uh, Barardi are missing. When one of them are missing, this team isn't the same team. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, congratulations uh, to Lazio on that win. Let's move on to the final game of the of the match day. Sampdoria, 2-0 victors over Parma. Parma. Parma, a little unlucky, hit the woodwork a couple of times. Yeah, uh, nice. Daversa, obviously visibly frustrated, uh, saying that, you know, if we're going to survive, we need players and we need players. Yeah. He's re- reiterated that. So I don't know if there's a rift with the with the club and and, and Kraus. And Kraus already. But Short we got take. him Andrea Conti, no? <laughs> yeah, on loan with an obligation to buy. Franco Vasquez, hopefully that goes through. They just, they need some creativity up top. That That's what it is at the end of the day. I mean, Diversa needs to realize that when these players come in, it's not going to be a snap of a finger and Parma jumps right up to mid-table, right? Like... Yeah, it's they're, they're not that good this year. They, they're very, very, very short, uh, very slim, uh, and they have no options off the bench. And they're just a horrendous team. And uh, but I still think they're going to survive, especially if Vasquez and Conti come in and they got a couple more pieces. But uh, it's a it's going to be a long road to survival for this Parma team. Um, yeah, it's, that survival is looking harder and harder as it goes. They are the most goals for Yeah. One yeah. of the worst defenses. So yeah, that's yeah. usually a recipe for uh, relegation. Yeah. <laughs> let, let me let me look at let me show you these stats though, because I, I I say it's not it's not as bad as you think for this game. Okay. I mean, Sampdoria had to make five saves and Parma had to make one. Okay. Okay. Shots. Parma had five shots on tar- off target, six on. Sampdoria had five off, only three on. So it's there. It's there. So I do I do I think that the coach is just crying wolf. I think he needs some serious. I think the transfers, if you listen to the coach and you say, get me the players that I want, I don't think they'll go shoot up the mid table, but we'll see them next year in Syria again, because when I'm looking at these, these numbers here and I look at them all game, especially when Parma plays a team somewhat that they can defeat or get a point from, I mean, it's the numbers don't lie. It's not like they're completely being blown out. So I think the coach might have a point here. I need some transfers. I need some players. Yeah, that's, that's very it's, true. I mean, uh, do I think out of out of who's in the relegation battle right now? Out of the right now, the three that are in there, right? Now, I think Parma is the only one that shouldn't be there. Uh, I agree with you. I agree with you. I, I, I Kylie should be there. Kotona should be there, and then. The, the last know. spot is whoever whoever doesn't play it out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, no, I agree with you. But, but they're not as they're not as bad as is. I mean, no, and in all, fa- 
yeah, all fair, that, like you said, they ran into a red hot Emilio Aldero, who was the best goalkeeper yeah. on the weekend, and uh, yep. Mayo Shida and Omar Kali were great center backs in this game. The whole defensive core was great for Sampdoria. But the big question is for Parma is you can play this great, but then when players like Andreas Cornelius are making the mistakes he's making for the first goal, that just destroys everything. He yeah. loses concentration. He just isn't paying attention. I think he misplays with his foot, leaving Luigi Seppe stranded. And uh, and uh, it was Yoshida that came in and just popped the ball in the back. And like, that can't be happening. You put in all that hard work, and then you concede on such a soft goal. That really takes the spirits out. Of and the, that's why of I the think team. the coach has to be right this time. He's got to get some players that he can – Trust, you know, I guess. trust, yeah. and uh, you know, at least get them, at least let them survive for one more season. So, welcome to part two. Let's talk Coppa Italia. Coppa Italia is this week. The yeah. big Milan derby. It's gonna be a scorcher. This is gonna be a huge game for Milan. If they don't get a result out of this game, I think it's really gonna put a damper on their season. I think uh, this will affect them greatly. And the same can happen for Inter. I feel if Inter, if Milan beats Inter pretty bad, I think Inter could go on a downward spiral. I think both teams are they're pretty fragile right now. Uh, they both are desperate for a win to pick up uh, morale and momentum. So I believe this is going to be a huge turning point for either team in the season, whoever wins this game. And on top of it, they're playing each other again in, in only a few weeks after yeah. this or a couple yeah. weeks. Yeah. This game, this game's huge. This is the second time they play each other. I always like to say the second game proves who the better team is, and because the coaches now they know what they're about, they know what to expect. The players are familiar with each other now, and uh, we'll see. I think this is a this is a massive game for two teams that are desperate to uh, lift up a trophy this year, and yeah. uh, to be knocked out of this competition. We know City is going to be very hard to win this year. To be knocked out of this competition. Uh, would be unfortunate for both teams because both are really looking to lift the trophy after I think 10 plus years. So yeah. Yeah. Important game. So who wins this game? Inter. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want, if you want a, you know, unbiased version, I think Inter as well. Don't forget these are no longer two legs, right? They're one in a game knockouts. Yeah, one, one leg, yeah. Right. I mean, uh, I could see this going into extra time. I see this going to penalties. Possibly penalties, where penalties is any man's game, right? I just gotta mean that Hadanovic gotta move. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, so if does. they go, if this goes into penalties, uh, but then again, the thing with Hadanovic is you, you you don't expect when he's gonna come up with a big save, and when he does, it's it's amazing. Yeah. yeah right. It's true because he's so uh, late getting to the ball. Because <laughs> he's so late getting to the ball, it's you know, no, he can hit his. But yeah. I mean, I, I see this game. I don't see this as being uh, a blowout by any by any side. I no. think it's going to go into uh, extra time, possible penalties. I, I think. I think the the passion of for Conte wanting to beat AC Milan, and uh, you know, even Zlatan putting one up on his old club. Yeah. I think that's going to motivate him too. It's pretty much uh, anyone's game. But if I had to go with one, I, I said this is. Uh, uh, I think uh, I think the wheels of Milan are starting to come not completely loose, but they're uh, loosening a bit. And I think uh, between the you know you guys are talking about destiny. If destiny's in one hand, if on one team more than the other, I, I got to go with Inter. Yeah. Okay. I just 
for Christian, before you give your verdict, I, I want to give my unbiased opinion too. And the reason why I think Inter will win is because I know I've mentioned in our uh, preview for the weekend that Tatar Rusano was going to start as opposed to Donnarumma. I got the red card suspensions mixed up. It's Tatar Rusano is going to start in this game because Donnarumma is suspended. Yeah. So Milan is one going to have a backup. They have injuries to their center backs. You have a lot of injuries in the midfield. Ben Yasser is a huge miss. So right now they're running Kessie Tonali has been the pairing. I don't think Tonali's, although he's played good in his last game, I don't think he's up to scratch in the, you know, yet he's very raw, still a lot of, a lot to learn in the game, which he will eventually get there, but currently still has a lot to learn. Uh, Kalinoglu, if he plays or not, that's going to be big. If he's, he's not, he won't play. Is he injured? He's out. out. Yeah. So yeah, that that's a big miss then as well, because both these teams are going to, they're going to start their most healthiest players. And uh, I just think Inter is the healthier squad and they just have that little bit more about them. Yeah. I think, um, I think uh, if Kalulu, Kalulu is questionable right now, if he doesn't play then we could see Fikayo Tomori step in. Um, But I don't think that'd be a good thing. No, it wouldn't be a good thing because you have a new player not familiar with the Pioli tactics. Starting in the Darby Della. Starting in, yeah. Yeah. Like it's, I think this game's going to go full stretch. If it does go the full stretch, it's kind of balanced because I would say AC's got the better shoot, better set of shooters, especially with PK Kessie there, and uh, <laughs> but Inter's got the edge on the goalkeeper because Donnarumma's not Donnarumma's not there, right? Yeah. So at the end of the day, I think it's going to be a really tight game. I think it's going to go all the way, and I think this is going to be the game that turns Inter around. Inter Milan sneaks by on penalties in this game. Uh, I think we're all taking Inter to, to to win this game, so mm-hmm. that's interesting. Let's move on to another. Sco- <laughs> let's let's move on to another scorcher. I'm actually really excited for this game. I uh, am too. Atalanta yeah. Lazio. Holy, this yeah. game is gonna be nuts because these guys are in red hot form right now. Yeah. This will this will probably be the best game out of all of them. I think so. Mm-hmm. Attacking wise, they're gonna go back and forth with each other. You got you got a Atalanta team that loves to attack, that loves to press. You got a Lazio team that loves to counterattack and expose those gaps. And so they're both gonna they're both gonna play their main style of play, counterattack versus attacking football. And it's just a matter of which one's gonna edge out the other. I think here you'll hear a lot higher score than uh, oh, yeah. the uh, the other game. I think so. I think so too. It, I, this is a tough one to call, and you have to pick somebody because they have, they, go, <laughs> they go to extra time and, uh, and and penalties if not, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's it, it's what do you do here? Because Lazio are not going to be a pushover. Both these teams want to win. It's like Giuliano said, the city uh, for these guys, the city is over. I think the Scudetto's over. It's Champions League football is what they're trying to focus on and qualify for next year. So to get a Coppa Italia trophy is very desirable for these two teams, especially a team like Lazio. I just, I don't know how to call this. If it goes down to penalties, I mean, I think Atalanta's got the edge on yeah. on shooters, but Lazio's got the edge, I think, on goalkeeper because I think Pepe Reina's a better goalkeeper than Golini. And Golini's not there yet for me from what I've seen of him. So I'm just going to go out on a limb here, and I am going to pick Lazio to win this game. All that being said. You, you heard it. You heard it from the Rolanista himself. Yeah, I think Lazio's <laughs> going to win this game. I just, uh, in my my head is screaming Lazio, 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 Lazio. It's like, okay, let's go with Lazio. Let's give him a shot. So how do you guys see this game? Yeah, 
For uh, for me, I, yeah, I'm gonna say the Gasparini era. He has to top it off with the trophy because otherwise, what is the Gasparini era? Who cares? You know, yeah. he got them in the Champions League, which is obviously great because Atalanta, where they've come from, they've only won one trophy in their entire history as a club. And I've talked about the Tom Co- in the uh, top competitions, and the last time was in '62, '63. They won the Coppa Italia. Yeah. So if Gasparini really wants to make a statement, it's in this competition to win a domestic trophy. Whether he can do it or not is another story. I don't think he has it in him to uh, beat Simone Inzaghi. I think Simone Inzaghi has the edge in these knockout competitions. Yeah. Not to take anything away from Gasparini. I think he's great, but his style I don't think is suited for knockout competitions. I always favor counterattacking teams, and we know Lazio is one of the best. And they can score from midfield, defense, striker. Chiro can be invisible all game, and he can pop up the goal out of nowhere. That's, That's true. Uh, and that's what makes Lazio so dangerous. They're never out. They can score a goal out of nowhere. And I think Lazio they also Lazio also won a Coppa Italia, I think, in the past two years. Uh, yeah. was their most recent one. So this team Even. knows how to win this competition. So I'm going to side with Lazio. All right, Nick. Uh, I, I want to be different, but I just see all your guys' points. I, I just think... Uh, I think defense-wise, I think Lazio is a lot better. There's a lot more holes in Atlanta's defense. Yeah. And uh, especially on the counterattack. Uh, it really, to me, it depends on who shows up, which player shows up, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but like you said, uh, I think out of the ones that uh, don't, like Chiro Mobley cannot show up for the whole game. And in the 89th minute, he pops in a goal, right? We're going to see what's happening with Ilicic. Does he show up? Uh, everybody, but if I were to choose uh, defense-wise, I think if uh, if Lazio can hold the attack for the first 15 minutes of the game and still come out alive, I'll go with Lazio. All right, so we're all telling you to take Lazio. Uh, Let's move on to the next game. <laughs> Ju- Juve hosting Serie B side Spal. Serie Spal. Uh, Spal. Where's now? <laughs> <laughs> I know Spal. You know, use him in this game. Punching above expectations here. The only players that will not play are so Spal has a healthy squad. Uh, Juve missing Alexandro, Paulo Dybala, and Israel as well. I mean, they're playing at the Allianz Stadium. This should be hands on Juve. This should be hand. Yeah, I agree with you. This should be hands on Juve. If Pirlo's already won one trophy, the Supercoppa Nazionale, he's hungry for another one. Yeah. Uh, you know what? He's probably going to go for the quadruple this year. He probably thinks he can do it. Oh, for uh, sure. He has the ego, man. It's Pirlo. Yeah. That's what makes Pirlo Pirlo. So, and if he wins the quadruple, can you imagine? Yeah. Like, oh. He just got all of his stripes. That deserves it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He got all of his zebra stripes. In one season. Holy. Uh, that deserves a contract extension. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I just see Juve in this game. Yeah, same here. Yeah, it's... it's... Uh, would I like to see the upset? Of course. Yeah, I think anybody would. I would love to see the upset, uh, but probability, slim. Uh, so let's move on to the last game. This one, to me, is a little more tricky now. So Napoli are hosting I know where you're Spezia. going with this one. <laughs> <laughs> Napoli hosting Spezia in this game. So Napoli, obviously a mess. Spezia beat them the first time they played each other. Spezia beat Roma in the, in the, in the round of 16. Then they almost put they almost pulled out with a draw. The sword of the Roma. So th- this team loves to jump on teams that are a mess right now. <laughs> so and Napoli are one of them. So I don't think this is going to be pretty straightforward for Napoli. 
I don't think so either. I think uh, s- the cool thing about Spezza is they they know where they came from. Okay, they yeah. know they're not Syria every year. Uh, in, you know, in Syria, they know that. But the thing I like about them, I think Jules said, is they play they play with no fear. It's like, yeah, we're Spezza. Yeah, we're known as a Serie B, Serie C team. But you know what? We don't care. We're gonna come after you. Yeah. Right. It's the vig- and that's the difference between a Spezza and a Crotone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hands down, hands right? down. It's the Italiano way. I mean, he's he's been a fantastic coach using the you know usually utilizing the pieces that he has to the best of his ability. Yeah, and I would love to see the Cinderella story continue. And I think this will send Napoli into a like a full disaster if they lose. Worse than a Roma. Worse than a Roma, I think. So for that reason, I'm gonna say Spezia to win. I you know what I agree with you. I think Spezia is going to pull another one out on Napoli here. I yeah. think this Napoli team. Listen, you've gone through Ancelotti. You're now going to go through Gattuso. I think Napoli. It's just a downward spot for them now. So I Spezia so. too. I'm going with Spezia too. There we go. Oh, so so yeah. we all agree. I just, I just, I want to see. I want to see a Cinderella team. I want to see a a, 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 a an upset. And I think the way Spezia, Spezia plays. I think uh, they're the ones to do it. Yeah, that's it. I agree. So that sums up uh, that sums up Coppa Italia. Let's talk about some transfers, guys. Ah, let's talk about some transfers. So Are we go on uh, Syria or international. Uh, I'll start with a couple from Syria. There's a couple of interesting ones. So uh, this the this what I like. This, I think this is a great move for Hellas Verona. So Hellas Verona have taken uh, Stefano Sturaro on loan from Genoa. For the rest oh, of the wow. season, that's not bad. That basically is a is a move to shore up their their midfield there, and uh, I think it's a great move. I think it's very smart, and uh, I I just I don't want to play this. I don't want to play this Ellis Verona <laughs> team again. It's coming up, and it's coming up. But uh, other than that, I mean, the big one uh, the big one for us is obviously El Shadawi's back. Oh. Um, had his medical, his signing with Rome is imminent. He was so desperate to come back that he terminated his contract with uh, with the team in the Chinese Super League and uh, basically coming back on a free transfer. I know Nick and I were talking about this. So we sold Al Shadawi two seasons ago for 18 mil. 18 mil. And we get him back two years later for 5 mil. So we made 13 million off a essentially a two-year loan. Uh, from the from this team, which I think is a great move. The other one that I want to talk about is Edin Zeko. Uh, Edin Zeko, obviously being rumored to leave. Uh, Inter's on the radar. Juve's on the radar. Uh, there's another team in Italy that's on the radar. West Ham is on the radar from West the Barclays, Ham from the Barclays Premier League. They did have a guy... they have a terrific record at signing strikers. Those guys. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> but did, this is what I didn't know about Eden Zeko. Did you know he's the? I believe he's the third highest salary in City. Yeah? I believe. That. I could believe it. Yeah. Third highest. I could believe it. Get that guy off the books now. That's bad management by Pilotta. That was yes. <laughs> Very bad management by James Palotta. All about the money that guy. I know. I I tell you, once I tell you the story, you'll be like, yep, that's him. Hands down. Uh but uh but is the one thing oh, there's another one I wanted to talk about, bringing it back home, Toronto FC, Io Akinola. Ah uh Io Akinola. Yeah, he's being rumored to go to Turkey. 
Trabenzor. That would be a huge move for him. I think it would be great. Uh, here's a here's a kid that's up and comer who's, who's a stud. He he made he think he made he had one cap in a friendly for the states, but uh, he can still technically play for Canada. He was at the camp this past month with, yeah. uh, with the Canadian men's national team. So hey, there's a fellow Canadian possibly going abroad, and uh, wish him all the best if he does do it, and uh, and we go from there. But uh, what are your thoughts on uh, transfers, guys? I got uh, I got an interesting one where Papu Gomez is going. There's been rumblings that uh, maybe an MLS team will pick him up, maybe something like Cincinnati. Whether that's true or not, but I, I mean, um, in the States have known to take uh, on uh, prima donnas before. I'm not too sure why they haven't taken Bal- – why anyone hadn't jumped on Balotelli. I'm telling you, the closest team to getting Mario Balotelli in the MLS was Toronto FC. Yeah, I'm happy we did it. Oh, I would have, I would have loved it. I thought it'd be. I happy we did it. I happy we did it. But that's another story. Yeah. Uh, what's we got? Um, apparently, uh, Lazio has offered and is ready for an extension for Inzaghi. Here's a good one. Uh, Socrates from Arsenal was rumored to be transferred oh, yeah. to Lazio. However, that has been probably not going through, as he is probably going to head home to Olympiacos. Why? Huh? Why? Hey, but if you know the management over there, it's 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 there. It's organized crime. Talk about <laughs> talk about a guy that fell off the map. I thought Socrates was a fantastic center back. I think he was good with uh, Bruce Dorman. I think he was yeah, fine. I, I was think uh, I think Arsenal is one of those uh, career killing clubs. Right. Yeah, could be. yeah, right. Could be. Madrikar Madrikar James Madrikar James Canadian from Michelin just played in the uh, Champions League this year. Yeah, uh, he's probably gonna go on loan to uh, Pas Lamia, which is a uh, team in the Greek first division. They are the, the bottom crime, organized crime division. <laughs> organized crime division. Well, we we buy, but we don't sell. We we sell, <laughs> but we don't buy. Not not with real money. Uh, that team is uh, bottom of the team. However, it's not a permanent move. It is just on loan. Part three. We're gonna take it back home. I want to get your guys' thoughts on this because I have some feelings about this. This Canadian Soccer Association announced that Toronto FC and Forge FC, the final, is going to be rescheduled and it's going to be played before April the 6th. For our listeners that don't understand, it is a very crucial game because the winner of that gets the Canadian berth for the CONCACAF Champions League. Originally, they didn't know if they were going to run the game or not because Forge FC was in the CONCACAF League. And if Forge FC qualified through a CONCACAF league, they were going to purposely cancel the game so that Toronto FC could get the automatic berth in the, uh, and get an automatic berth, and they'd have two Canadian teams in the round of 16, which is something I don't agree with. But what I want to talk to you guys about is, so Toronto FC, Vancouver Whitecaps, Montreal, Impact, or Club de Foot Montreal, uh, however you want to call them. They um, it sounded good in your Anglo accent. There you go. It's gonna go down well at uh, Saputo Stadium. Uh, sorry, sorry, no offense. Club de Foot Montreal. There you go. Okay. Um. Anyways, uh. So these are three teams that play in the Major League Soccer, which is sanctioned by the American Soccer Association. So Toronto FC, Vancouver Whitecaps, and Montreal, they cannot compete in the U.S. Open Cup, which gives births into the champions league and they, wherever they finish, whether they win the MLS cup or however high they finish in the supporter shields, supporter shield, 
they don't get any of those qualifying berths. They can only qualify through the Canadian Championship because it's Canada's spot. The CPL obviously goes through the same thing. League One Ontario goes through the same thing. Quebec Majors, uh, the Quebec Minor Soccer League, which is like the equivalent of League One Ontario, goes yep. through the same thing. Now, here's my thing. So why should Toronto FC get an opportunity to take a spot from Canada if they don't compete in the Canadian League? And here's my reason why. We have teams in the in the English football system from Wales, and the big two that I'll name, there's a few more, the big two that I'll name are Swansea and Cardiff City. Mm-hmm. So there's also the Welsh uh, Premier League, which is the top the top league of soccer in Wales. So all these teams, I think the 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 big team in from Wales that's not in the English system is called the New Saints. So they're the ones that constantly win a division. They get the the birth into the Champions League, Europa League qualifications. Swansea and Cardiff cannot touch the Welsh qualification spots for Europa and Champions League. And the reason why is because when they were invited to go to the the Welsh Premier League in '92, I believe, or the Welsh Cup, they said no. So the English Soccer Association decided to take these clubs and say, you guys are one of us, we'll govern you. And if you guys finish in these spots in England, that's how you qualify for Europe. I think the CPL should do the same thing. And the CPL should say to Toronto FC, Vancouver, Montreal, the CPL is the top tier of soccer, of professional soccer in Canada. Okay? And League One Ontario and the Quebec Soccer League are the divisions underneath the CPL, but they compete in the Canadian Championship as well because they're they they're based in Canadian leagues. Yep. So if you want to play in the Canadian Championship, if you want to take a Canadian Championship spot, you should be playing in the CPL. And if you don't want to play in the CPL, then you should go to the American Soccer Association and get sanctioned by them to participate in their league and take their qualification spots because we want nothing to do with you. That's my opinion. That's how I feel about it because the CPL should be competing with the MLS, in my opinion. And the CPL should be on par, if not better, than the MLS. And I think it will get there in five five to ten years. I really do. I think they're doing amazing things, and I think they're doing things the right way. The problem that's holding them back, in my opinion, are these three teams that are run by the MLS. Because when the CPL first got announced, Bill Manning right away said, I want to put a reserve team in the CPL to basically – uh, yep. downgrade its resp- downgrade its credibility, which the CPL was smart enough to say, no, go play in the USL. So their farm team plays in American division, okay? Correct. They play in American division. What makes them Canadian? H- how many players on, K- on Toronto FC, Montreal, and Vancouver are Canadian? Not very many. Not very many. They're American fact, uh, fact, the final that they won the, uh, when they won the championship, they might have been one or two. Yeah, Osorio at the time. Osorio and Ricketts. And Ricketts, that was it. Yeah, I can't remember anybody else. That was it. So, yeah. what what makes them Canadian? Why do they Why do they deserve to play in the Canadian Championship? So, my answer to this: simp, two things. I say, I say that the MLS and the Americans have a monopoly on not just the soccer in North America, but the North America Sports League in general. Okay. Second of all, I think CSA has a part to blame and uh, fault out that because they're too late to the party. Okay. I really, I'm, I'm happy the Premier League is here. I'm happy the Canadian Premier League is here and it's going to get better, but they're too late to the party. Yeah. And why I say that is it comes to dollars, right? 
And sure. uh, not to get into the whole, uh, you know, which which national team benefits from this, because obviously the Americans benefit more. But I mean, the, the CSA, I mean, and uh, don't get me started on the CSA, because I think uh, I don't even want to compare. I, you only want to say who I think is a better federation than the CSA, because it'll just drive people bonkers. So I'll keep that to myself, which, by the way, that 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 one federation I was going to say does have a World Cup ex- uh, appearance, by the way. <laughs> but um, uh, and in the last 10 years. So what I got to say is, I mean. When MLS, when World Cup came to USA in 94 and America was going to put MLS in 96, that's when the CSA should have stepped in with the league. I, I personally think that was the time or maybe a few years after that. I think it's too late to the party now. I think that, uh, first of all, in order for it to run properly, right, if the CSA is going to say to Toronto FC, Montreal, and Vancouver, go get sanctioned by the U.S., well, does the U.S. MLS really sanction us anyways? Our players are considered international, yeah. right? So if you're going to get a Dwayne De Rosario, or I even met a Will Johnson that played for Portland before he came to Toronto FC, right? I mean, yeah. here you have you have your choice, right? You're going to have an international spot by a young Costa Rican, or a Panamanian, or even a Mexican, that is going to be a hot talent, that is going to get some good years under your belt, and you're going to flip them for a profit, or you're going to get a Canadian guy, which you're not sure, and he's going to take up an international roster. I mean, if this guy isn't, I mean, I mean, if this guy isn't Alfonso Davies, and I highly doubt that when Alfonso Davies broke on the scene many American teams were going to get him for an international spot, let alone a DP. So I think the American League needs to, first of all, it, it's on both sides. The American League is not just because they're really not North American. They are American. Mm-hmm. They're after their own wallets, their own thing. Okay, the CSA, as much as I love the Canadian Premier League, it's way too late. It's way too late. They should have They should have been on board. They should have put on board of stuff at least... I would say 10 years after the MLS appeared. Okay. Cause now what you're doing is you're saying, you know, Oh, uh, Toronto FC is doing well. Montreal's doing well. Uh, they're doing well. Um, maybe we should start our own league, but you're late to the party. Okay. If you had your own premier league, okay. The U S had its own league in nine, in now what? 96, 96. And how many 96 and how many times have, the Americans featured in a world cup. Okay. Quite a few. If the CSA even was a little late to the party, say 10 years or right around the time Toronto FC was going to get a team. How many world cups do you think we would have been in? If we had a better, uh, if we had pretty much the same or a little bit after start. No, I agree. I I understand. Right. So yes. Okay. That you could say to Toronto, Montreal and Vancouver, go ask uh, Uncle Sam for, uh, uh, you know, sanction, right? But if they're not let, I mean, in 2017, we won everything, Toronto. Supporters Shield, yeah. MLS Cup, okay, and uh, Canadian Championship, yeah. right? Okay, that's three spots for Champions League. Yeah. Okay, and the so we, 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 I'm gonna argue not to not to knock the Canadian Championship or whatever it's called the supporters uh, 
The Voyager's uh, Cup. Voyager's Cup. But I mean, out of those three, we won two of the hardest tournaments we had to win. Okay. And the only way we could get it was to beat, was to win in the Canadian Voyager's Cup. Yeah. Okay. First of all, if you're going to say to Toronto FC, go ask the Americans, okay, to be sanctioned. Well, now, uh, now we're taking a spot of open cup to an American team. We, I mean, you, you even know what this past uh, CONCACAF Champions League, LA was in the final. They were calling it the greatest uh, American team to ever battle the Mexicans. Yeah. Right? No, no, it wasn't. They got destroyed. Okay, they went up one nothing, and they then Tigres was like, okay, yeah. And I mean, like the only team you ever had coming close to putting your MLS in a conquer in a FIFA world, in a what is it? Um, the, the FIFA, FIFA Club World Cup was Toronto FC. Yeah, penalties. The FIFA Club World Cup penalty was away. Toronto FC. Was penalties. Yeah. So you're telling me that? I mean, to be honest, I think I think some of the blame goes on the CSA. Yeah, the CSA. I think they're late to the party. I think I think you're late to the party. I think you're saying to yourself, uh, and, and to be honest, it's just it's just all Canadian sports, right? I mean, it's not like and hockey too, right? I mean, I understand we have, uh, you know, hockey is the greatest sport in Canada, but where do all the Canadian players play? The right. I mean. That's why you hear. That's why you hear. Oh, Tam- you have a, a ridiculous team like Tampa Bay, right? That's winning the Stanley Cup, but you know they don't see snow, they don't have a hockey history. But then we go and we say, ah, but they're all can- they're pretty much Canadian anyways. I mean, they got a Canadian squad anyways, right? Yeah. And I mean, yeah, okay, we have Toronto, we have Edmonton. I mean, right now in NHL is playing an all Canadian uh, division. Yeah. Right. And, uh, it, you know, like, so I think it's fine for us. But, I mean, even where the Canadian players go, the national team is still strong, right? Because, you know, they don't have rules like domestic, import, DP. Like, uh, I, I personally think that the MLS, yes, it's good to have Toronto FC Vancouver in that team. Uh, but I think that MLS is definitely an American first uh, yeah, company. And keep in mind, you gotta buy it. You gotta buy these franchises. You don't own the team. You just you franchise the team, yeah. right? Every time you go in to buy a to purchase a team in MLS, it's like buying. It's like franchising. It's like I'm gonna buy a subway down the street. Yeah. Right. I'm gonna buy the company and pay franchise fees. So I think some of the I think the blame is America. Yes, America um, is very unfair where we don't get. It's very, you know, the MLS was originally in 96 and in 95 was there to grow American soccer. Yeah. And that's what they're doing. They're doing a good and job with it's, it. The CSA, they're doing a good job, but it's also, and you can't say, I mean, I understand. Yes, the CPL is good. Um, would Toronto, would the fans fill up BMO Field if they were playing in the CS, uh, in the CPL? That's, uh, I mean, I mean, if you're going to have a team like LA and have your Roonies and your Zlatans and whatever come to play, I mean, are you going to get a high caliber like a Jervinko or even a Bradley at Altador to play in the C- in the CPL? Maybe not. Um, but I also think it's a C- CSA's problem, the Canadian Soccer Association's uh, fault for not starting this league a lot earlier. 
because we could have capitalized. We were extremely late to the party. And if there's anything that's going to kill the CPL from thriving, it's because we were late to the party. And that's just my two cents. Uh, I appreciate your two cents. I think it's better late than never. <laughs> I think uh, I think financially right now it's 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 tough because they're just they they just finished two seasons. But I do think that they have the potential to be one of the if not best North American league of, in terms of soccer. There's no reason why they can't be. It's just a matter of money. It's a matter of bringing in a couple of big name players to put the to put the butts in seats. But uh, at the end of the day, yeah. The way their structure is, the way the CPL structure is, I like it. Um, I they they're there to develop Canadian talent. Uh, they have like a certain number, like there's you can only have a certain number of international spots on on the roster. Majority yeah. of the teams are Canadian, which Canadian players, which is great, and it's a huge stepping stone that uh, players from past generations never had in this country. And uh, I think they should be rewarded by being the top league in Canada, which they are considered to be. And that, and therefore they should be compete. They should be the favorites to win the Canadian championship and going in and representing Canada in the CONCACAF champions league. Um, but those are my two cents. Do you have any, uh, do you have anything to say Jules? Well, the league, yeah, the CPL, you just hope they get it right. In a way, MLS is its own animal. CPL is a, is going to be its own animal. Yeah. yeah. The MLS came up with the cap system not to fall into the trap of the NASL again. And that's a big question. Yeah, the CPL, how are they going to approach growing as a league? Because there's going to be there is going to be growing pains. There's sure. going to have to be big investment coming in. I don't I don't see the CPL being the MLS where they bring in the big names. I think it has to be a feeder league to Europe and into the other big leagues across the world. And that's how it's got to be until it, you know, until it can be established as a big league. But in regards to the question as to whether Canada, the CPL should represent, it's a tough question because if we're talking right now, those three teams, Vancouver, Montreal, Toronto, they have done it. We can't, They've done a ton for Canadian soccer uh, recently. We can't we can't discard that for the past ten years, like Nick said. They've done a ton. We look at the national team for Canada; it's mostly MLS players. So we got to respect at the same time what the MLS has accomplished for Canadian soccer because it has done a lot, like it has done for the Americans. So Canada has benefited. Um, we hope the CPL just makes it even better now, but. Down the line, what happens with that competition and those three clubs? Yeah, there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of questions. It, it will be interesting. I just hope that the CPL gets it right, gets their decisions correct, and uh, and does it the right way. Yeah, well That's said. I, I, I'm not saying to do it now because we're still yeah. the CPL is too young. And it's too, yeah, still, it's an infant. Well, it's it's an infant. It's still, not, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 way too young. Um, but I think when the, once they're self they're self sustaining and they're well established, I think they need to look at that. The, I'm not discrediting Toronto FC, Vancouver, and uh, and Montreal for what they've done. They've produced some fantastic players. Alfonso Davies is what, the big one. The name just to name one of many the Canadian players that they've developed. And they were I think these three teams were the stepping stone for the CPL. But my thing is we need to get fully behind the CPL and make sure this thing flourishes because this has the capability of being 
one of the biggest le- soccer leagues in North America, hands down, in the CONCACAF region. And there's no reason why it can't be. It's got that potential. But yes, as this point in time, it's gotta they gotta make the right decisions. They gotta see what they are right now. Are they a stepping stone for the Canadian players to Europe? Are they a stepping stone for the Canadian players to MLS or Liga MX? Like what are they gonna what are they gonna do? Uh, there's a lot more questions than there are answers right now. So it'll be interesting to see how this pans out. But uh, it was a really interesting conversation, that's for sure. Um, before we wrap up. I want to hear this James Palotta story. <laughs> so please, so before we go, we got a nice James okay, Palotta so story. Actually, you you were you were there that night. Oh, the, when, when Roma played Toronto FC. When Toronto played uh, Toronto Roma. FC, you were there that night. Of course, Toronto I was. Win, probably Toronto won, right? Uh, no, 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 smash. I think Pjanic does a back heel. Yeah, and uh, this is Bradley still on Roma, so. Yeah. So anyways, so anyways, so we're in the game. I go, I remember saying to Christian, I go, I got it. I got to go. He goes, where are you going? I got to go. So I, I go, uh, cause I know where all the, the, you know, unlike, unlike other, uh, professional stadiums, you know, where the bus goes underneath, uh, you know, nobody can access the engineer decides to put the away bus right in front of everybody. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that BMO, right. So this is where, this is where back in the day where, you know, you could literally, Torps and friends would walk out and nobody would even ask him if he, if he didn't know, right? He just, you know, walks out. Nobody knows who he was. So I'm sitting there. I leave I leave the game early. I get my position uh, where the, the Roma players are going to come out. I get my De Rossi autograph. I get my uh, Totsi autograph. I get uh, my Torosidis autograph. All the guys that played on that time, <laughs> right? I got Torosidis. At one time, the whole back line was Greek, okay? Anyways, so... I got all that right, so I'm like, I'm, I'm thrilled. I got a picture with Tati. Now I'm walking, I'm walking by the. Uh, now I'm walking by the parking lot, and I see this giant SUV uh, come, you know, spinning around, right? And it, it's an SUV that's like, you know, the, it looks like uh, someone has money, right? And uh, I'm walking up, and uh, this this guy sticks his head out, and goes, "Oh, Tati, we love you. Get his autograph. Get his autograph." And I go, oh my God, that's James Palata, right? So I'm thinking, so it, I didn't realize at the time, but now, but now, now it all makes sense, right? So I go up to him, I go, hey, can I get an autograph? I said, sure, kid. He goes, yeah. So I take an autograph. He goes, you get any Roma merch? I said, of course. He goes, good boy. Then he goes off and I, I, I leave, right? <laughs> now it all makes sense. This guy had no ambition to win. It was all, he's hacking, he's, he's yelling at everybody. There's Tati, get his autograph. Get your jersey's autograph. He's ready, all he to, cared, he was ready he, to sell you a jersey right out of his he, car. <laughs> he, you know, I thought, I thought he was going to come out and be like, Juve's 20 bucks, Inter's 15. Lazio, we pay double for that. You know, and I mean, it all makes sense now. Like the guy, he was a nice guy. You know, he he came, you know, he took a picture with me. I figured I might as well get someone of a business management degree. But I knew at the time now, it all makes sense now. All he cared about was the buck. Of course. Okay. It was never about, it was never about, you know, it was never, he not once 
did he scream Forza Roma out of that thing? It was all about get your jersey signed, Forza Dotti, you know, big enough the players so you could go literally spill your sh- your your pop all over your girlfriend just so you can get your uh, shirt signed, right? Oh, so, I mean, that like, you know, now when we used to talk about Palata and like how he didn't care, he was never really there, blah, blah, blah. It was all about the bunny. And now I, and now I realize that, you know, when I'm walking down to the train station, I see this giant, you know, Escalade. I don't know if it was bulletproof because, I mean, he, he's working for Roma, not Napoli, okay? So he, pull, he pulls out his head, sticks up, and he's instigating. He's instigating. He's trying to grease us with money, right? So I, I got that photo. You know, he's smiling, and little do I know, I'm looking at a photo one day. I'm like, this is like dead man walking. Oh, jeez, <laughs> crazy so that was my Pilata story right and i mean um yeah it was just uh it was just it, it all makes sense you know a couple of years later it all made sense and now he just sold them for just under 600 mil so not too bad <laughs> there you go Pilata. go back to the boston celtics that's it no i'm glad he's gone glad he's gone but uh that wraps up everything for today uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we will be back in the midweek to uh, to preview the upcoming games for match day 20. There's a lot coming up uh, that we have, and uh, we can't wait to do this. For those of you that don't uh, that don't follow us, follow us on Twitter at Radio Tifosi, uh, Instagram Tifosi Football Radio, uh, Facebook as well. Send us an email. Send us a like, Tifosi Football Radio at gmail.com. Nick. Can't thank you enough again for joining us. We really who, appreciate who it. Who knows what other jersey I'll wear next week? Well, I, well, <laughs> we'll see, man. We'll see. Look, for those of you that can't see, uh, Nick's wearing a Hellas Verona jersey today. He's got a massive yes. jersey collection. He should just open up a shop and start selling them. He should. The next James Palata <laughs> over here. Well, yeah, the James Palata. Get your Tifosi radio shirts here. That's it. That's what I like to hear. Hey, those might be coming up down the road. Yeah, <laughs> anyway, yeah we got to get, you know. Scratch tickets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, everyone. Ciao, ragazzi. Ciao, ciao. Well. Yeah, yeah, yeah.